on this episode of the Taylor Johnson podcast, in a world where people are constantly getting hurt by the church and leaving it behind completely, what kept one man, my very good friend David Gomez, even after he was hurt by the church, what kept him coming back for more? Oh, that's a terrible introduction. That's not that's not good. I don't think that's going to get you interested or hyped. Coming back for more. It's an interview where I talked to my friend David about uh, the time he really got hurt by a church, not just as a member, but as a staff member, and how that hurt affected him, but how he eventually returned to being on staff at a church. That is the interview on this week's episode. Also, a great story from my friend Micah Carney about believing in Santa Claus. And that is that is all that I'm going to tell you about that. But how are you doing? It's me. I'm Taylor Johnson. This is the Taylor Johnson Podcast. It's happening. We're here. We're all together. Um, I'm really excited about what you're going to hear. It's some really good stuff. But before we get to that, I got to call and check in on my friend, Glendon. Let me tell you three things that I really hate. Oh, wow. You're just going right into it? No hello? Number no one. Hi. Okay. Number one. Beats headphones. Okay? Number okay. two. No, you don't get to know why. Number two. <laughs> uh, that stupid coffee for your head song. Um, don't like okay. it. Number three. Uh, when I play a song on Spotify, it default sets to repeating the track that I click to play. I have zero idea why, but it's a playlist. I don't want to hear one song over and over again. I'm clicking play on the first song on the playlist, and it sets up to repeat the song. That is dumb. I don't know why what? I would do that. That It does not hey, do that to how's me. Kansas? How's Kansas? How's wow. Kansas? <laughs> How are I mean, you, Taylor? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Uh, Kansas is good. Um, I'm good. Before we started recording, you you let me know that you were in a bad mood and you had several things. I did. That you were going to you were going to tell me that you did not like. These are very small things to be angry about. Did you wake up in a bad mood and now no. you're just looking? For, oh wow! No, I woke up fine. Like I woke up fine. I don't even know what happened. <laughs> okay, yes, I do know what happened, and it's the stupid song that put me in this mood. I was brewing my coffee like I do every morning. That's how I start my day, and that song came up, and I started singing it, and I was like, wait a second. Do not sing this song. We hate this song. I will get in those moods where I'm in, like, such a bad mood about other things, and so then, like, every little thing annoys me so bad, and, and usually I can... Like, I finally figure out that that's what's happening. And it usually has something to do with, like, my seatbelt. Something will be annoying what? about my seatbelt, and I will, like, blow up as if it is the most insulting, terrible thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. And I'm just like, no, no! And then I have to realize, like, oh, Taylor, this isn't that big of a deal. You're annoyed about something else. The seatbelt is fine. Everything is okay. But you started off 
in a good mood until you you have that song in your head. Coffee, yeah, coffee for your head. Seatbelts for Taylor, coffee for your head for me. So can you can you help balance me out here? Is there anything that you wow? Don't yeah, okay. Get on the hate train, but like, give me some love. Okay, let me give you three things that I I have enjoyed that I don't hate that I have enjoyed. Number okay. one, uh, so I just finished moving. Uh, I'm in Kansas now. I live here. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, I have fiber internet. What? I've got that. You fast didn't have that stuff. in Dallas? No, no, no. My internet was terrible in Dallas. My internet, uh, my internet here is the fastest it could possibly be, and uh, I love it. Dude, that's gr- what an apartment, dude. That they got fiber set up for you. Number two thing that I uh, enjoy is the weather in Kansas is so nice right now. It's so much nicer than Texas. Oh. It's it's the summer, but it's like sweat your butt off in Texas weather. Oh, yes. And it's like 90 degrees right now here. Right now, it is 73 degrees. Oh, that is so nice, man. Uh, and then the third thing is, uh, I guess I'm, I'm pretty much done unpacking. So, oh, that uh, is good. So those are so, those are three things. Okay, that's good, man. That's good. But I mean, you've got to have some. Okay, now that I heard the good, like, do you have anything that you want to jump on the hate train? When, here's some advice to the world: when you okay. are searching for an apartment and you get to tour the apartment, really take a good look around it. Really give it a good look over. Don't make any assumptions. Because when I moved into my apartment, when I actually got the keys, I had signed the lease. I it was I was committed to this place. When I yeah. first walked in, I looked in the kitchen and I realized for the first time, oh, I don't have a dishwasher. Oh no! And like, oh, I don't have a garbage disposal either. Either what? Yeah, your your one hate thing trumps all my three. But okay, what about okay? I I gave you one negative. Now you have to give me one positive. <laughs> not today. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good day. What um, is one good thing? <laughs> too many uh, things. I don't know. I have zero idea. Um, okay, I've got one for you. Okay, um, Macy turned fourteen. Uh, two days ago, so her birthday. Um, Yeah, so that was a good thing. We were recently driving to Dallas, and uh, both the girls were asleep in the back seat, and Chastity looked back, and she was looking at Macy, and she was like, she's so big. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, they're growing up, you know? And she kept staring at her, and I was like, what? And she was like, I don't ever get to see her anymore. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh. But um, yeah, just... I don't know. Just they, time flies, man. And I know you probably hate to hear that, you know, at your age. But when you get as old as me, here pretty soon, like you're just gonna, man. Just time flies. And uh, I don't know. Birthdays are great, man. They're, you know, I think we should celebrate and celebrate life. But yeah, that's a good thing. That's a that's a good thing. Thank you, Taylor, for wow. The, you know, Pastor Taylor, thank you so much nope, in that pastor no, mode. And you've just no, helped no, no. switch things around for me today. It's going to be a good day. I'm ready for no, it. Now. No, no, Let's no, 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 no. Don't PT, call me that. that. Pastor Taylor. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that makes me very uncomfortable. But I'm glad there is uh, one one positive thing. That's good. That's yes, good. Yes, thank good. you. Thank you for helping me see that. All right. Well, um, that's that's all that I have. I uh, I'll talk to you later. All right, Taylor. Bye. All right. Bye. So yeah, I am here in Kansas. I live here now. I have an apartment. It is my new home without a dishwasher, without a garbage disposal, with very little space in the kitchen, and also no power outlet in the bathroom. How weird is that? That's weird, right? There is no power outlet in there. So like I blow dry my hair in the morning. Spoiler alert, that's how I do my hair with a blow dryer. And I can't do it in the bathroom anymore because there's no power outlet. So I literally, uh, after, when I get out of the shower, I put clothes on, then I go into the kitchen, I sit down in front of my laptop, pull up the webcam, and I blow dry my hair in the kitchen, staring at my face on my computer screen. And I guess that's what I'll do for a full year because that's how long my lease is. Hooray! But I'm excited about being here. I'm excited about being on staff at the church here. And speaking of being on staff at a church, we got to get to this episode's interview. I am talking to my friend, David Gomez, who you have heard on the podcast before telling very funny stories, but also early on, he was on an episode talking about when him and his wife, Alyssa, were living in Venezuela, working at a Christian school down there, and how they handled a tragedy at that school, and the aftermath of that, and how that affected the ministry that they did there. Last episode, we talked to his wife, Alyssa, about the time in her life where she worked at Planet Fitness and was really, really good at customer service, really, really good with dealing with jerks and monsters and how that translates to discipleship. Because aren't we all just jerks and monsters at our core? Deep down inside, aren't we all? But the time in her life that she talked about in her interview is the exact same time that we are going to be talking to David about in his life. Did that sentence make sense? The same, the time, the time that Alyssa was talking about, that time for her is the same time for him in this one. You get it? Are you following? Good. David Gomez graduated uh, from a Bible college with a degree in ministry, prepared to go on staff at a church, full-time ministry, just got married, moves out to West Texas, and uh, it did not go the way that he expected it to. There was a lot of heartbreak, frustration, and I wanted to talk to him about that season in his life and how that led to where he is right now on staff as a youth pastor at his home church where he grew up, where his father is the pastor. How did he go from there to here? And I really appreciate his honesty. His humor is one of my best friends. I hope you enjoy it. This is David Gomez. I'm here with my good friend, David Gomez. David, how are you doing? We're great right now. Yeah, you woke up from a pretty good nap. Yeah, I was feeling so crummy and woke up from a nap. Why? We're feeling great. What was so crummy? I just get really bad allergies, and if they don't go away from my medicine, 
the only thing that takes them away is a nap, which is inconvenient to everyone else in their lives. <laughs> but it's so convenient to mine because I get to take a nap and then I always wake up feeling better. Did you ever go through a phase where you didn't like like you did not have naps as an adult? No, never. Always even, even as naps. like even as a high schooler. Like, my group of friends that we would, like, skateboard after school, they knew, like, oh, David's taking a nap. He'll come skate <laughs> after five or six. I feel like naps are not a high schooler's thing at all. That oh, just shows dude. your, like, confidence in who you were. Oh, I'm consistent, baby. You are 100% <laughs> consistent. Yeah, I've always now Always been a thing in my life. Wow. Um, is it crazy to you that you're in ministry now? No. No? No. You never, like, look back at... Like, oh shoot, I'm back. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is not that's not a good way to ask this question. Uh no, because I feel like it's the only thing that I'm good at. I'm really? S- yeah. I feel like I can't think of another thing that I would enjoy as much that I am naturally gifted at that I can make a living at. Did you know, did you always know that you would come back? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't walk away forever. I don't think I did. I don't think I could. Yeah. Unless, like, I just messed, I messed up personally terribly. Yeah. But, which would maybe even, I guess not, maybe it would make me prideful and I would hide it and then come back anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people do that, but hopefully that doesn't happen to me, but... Yeah, I don't know that I could stay away. I it's crazy because like okay, you you had something happen early on in your ministry career, like right out of college. Sure. Uh, that I think happens to a lot of people who then quote unquote take a break from ministry mm-hmm. and then never come back. Like yeah. I feel like that was just a phrase right out of college. We go to a Bible college. Everybody is so excited about the ministry they feel themselves called to be in. Right. They go to their first church. They get really hurt, and then they're like, I'm just going to take a break from ministry. And then they, like... Never come back. Never come back. And so that was, like, always such a weird thing to watch. Sure. Uh, Friends, or just some people who weren't even, like, that close to me. So in my eyes, because of what I've seen other people go through, it is kind of, like, incredible that you have come back. I just did it because I know in 20 years they're going to make a movie out of me. Wow. And this is just going to be a really great story. this is just going to be a real... I knew that. Uh, yeah. Well, so what happened was I was at a church right out of college. I just gotten married. Can we uh, say West Texas? We could say. Okay. We could say also East Texas. What? We could say whatever we want. Oh, I was like, <laughs> what? Is there something I don't know? Language is a community of agreement. Okay. All right. You say that a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got a job at a church. Uh, it felt right. Right. Like, I don't think you would take a job that didn't feel right. Yeah. Uh, everything was going well. Uh, you came to visit while I was there. Yeah. And uh, I thought things were going very well. Uh, was have We felt like we didn't really fit into the church. Like we, we were kind of by ourselves. We didn't really hang out with anybody. Nobody would invite us. We tried to reach out to people several times in the church. So that was weird, but ministry-wise, job-wise, it was going well. Yeah, because it could be so... I mean, you're you're in West Texas yeah. where if you're in a town, there's just that town, and then it's just desert all around Nothing you. Nothing at all. And not much even in the town that you're uh-uh. in. And I was looking for Tim Riggins. What? Uh, so yeah, that part of it was not enjoyable, but the work of it yeah. was what you're doing, and I like that. 
and then out of nowhere, uh, three, I think it was like no more than four months after being there, the pastor walks in my office, gives me a week's paycheck and says, you got to go. And I was like, haha, LOL, you're joking, right? Like, oh, really? Yeah, because I thought he was joking. Oh. And he was like, no, I'm not joking. And that was it. And the reason I thought he was joking was because like two weeks prior was like my like 90 day evaluation or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I had gotten a friend reach out to me at a bigger church and was like, hey, come be our junior high pastor. And I was like, man, I'm here. Uh, thanks for thinking of me, though. And I pondered on that like i knew that like i didn't fit in well at the church like personally like we weren't getting to hang out with people we weren't, we weren't building relationships with people at the church like personally not ministry wise right uh and so we thought about that like we tried really hard with the pastor and it didn't work out uh and so in that evaluation i was like hey man here's what i just want to be open with you like i got this thing but i decided not to take it because i'm committed here yeah like, i i feel like i'm not plugging in with you i feel like i'm not plugging in with people as a person but i'm committed here like i came here to work with you for you i'm here and he said oh thank you so much like i promise you not to screw you over if you don't screw us over and so when he did that i was like you're joking right like you literally just told me you weren't gonna do this yeah to uh, what yeah. did that day look like? Like, did you pack up immediately that day, your office? I think so. I didn't have a lot of things in there. I don't think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I text my wife who was at work, which you happened to be in that group text when I texted her. That. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Because did you not mean to text the group message? No. Of just, I'm, was it I'm just the three I'm of still us? really bad at that. Because like I just like type in her name. Her name in my phone is Boo Boo Butt, <laughs> uh -huh. and it's really long. So like if you look at the iPhone text messages, it's just her name a lot of times. Right. Yeah. And then the next people that are in that group chat. So I just clicked on the first one. Oh my god. I didn't even realize it till like an hour later that you were in that. Yeah. Because yes. I remember yeah. getting that text message and um, being so confused. Yeah. Because then Alyssa is like, what is happening? What are you talking about? Is yes. this real? And I'm like, oh, why am I seeing this? <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking the rest of the day? Like, well, I was kind of upset because I also remember that morning, that same morning, it was a Monday morning. We had a missionary at our church that was preaching and I gave him a pair of shoes that I had that was like, I'd never worn them. He was wearing them to preach that Sunday. And he had this weird thing with his feet that those were the only shoes he could wear. And his were kind of worn. And I was like, oh man, I have those. If you want them, what size are you? And he was like, oh, you know what? Like, this is the only shoe I can wear. Yes. And so I gave them to him. And then I remember like giving them to him and the pastor like was taking them away. Like, okay, they, they came to speak and they're leaving. And then he came in and did that. And I was like, man, I shouldn't have given him my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Should have kept those shoes. So that, I was thinking about that. I also, on my way out of the church, saw the children's pastor who I was kind of close with. And I was like, hey, he was like, why do you have all your stuff? And I was like, he let me go. And he was like, no, you're playing. And I was like, no, I promise you. And he was like, kind of like shooken by the situation. But I, I just didn't know how to feel. Yeah. I'm really, I have a really weird pain tolerance physically. Like. I, and I laugh at pain. Like, it's like a weird thing that I do. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just like my defense mechanism. Yeah. And so, like, 
I don't know that it hit me till weeks later. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, then like, what? That's probably like on a Tuesday or something. It was or? a Monday morning, I think. Monday morning, and so then like. You have that first Wednesday that you don't go, mm-hmm. and then that first Sunday that you don't go to. I bet you probably didn't go to any church that Sunday. No. And then, uh, and then it kind of hits you for real a couple of weeks later. Yeah. And you guys had a lease, like you. It, it was uh, the worst time for it to happen. Let's it put was, it that way. Yes, yes, yes. And why was it the worst time? Because ever? that same month, uh, we had just gotten a new car because we moved and we needed one. Mm-hmm. And that payment started because we had the car. Like the pay- car payment starts like a month later, yeah. which I didn't know that. So that's good to know if you're listening to this. That started our student loan bills started because they don't start till like 90 days after you leave college. Yeah. So that started that same month. And boy, are we in some school debt. And <laughs> then we were living in a, a crappy town in a crappy apartment. We lived in a really small apartment. And it costs sixteen hundred dollars a month to live there. In and the one that yes. I was in? Yes. Oh my yeah. god. Sixteen hundred dollars a month. Oh my god. And so they were gracious. I mean, my pay was coming from that. We had signed a year lease. And so we were just stuck there now. Yeah. What uh was Alyssa already working at Planet Fitness at the time? Yes, she was. That would be a part of he kind of got upset that she couldn't come to church at Sunday nights. Oh. Because she was working, so she couldn't come. Yeah. And that was a quarrel that he had with the oh. situation. And I came out and visited, and I stayed mm-hmm. with you guys for a month because yeah. uh, it was January. I was traveling full-time. I didn't have anything mm-hmm. going on in January. I that worked, would have been like six months after all of it happened. I worked for Alyssa at Planet Fitness and uh, stayed with you guys in, in an apartment that was not even a, it was a loft. It wasn't yeah, a one bedroom. It wasn't. It was just an area upstairs and an area downstairs mm-hmm. and a kitchen. And it was crappy. And it was pretty bad and like really small. And when I stayed there with you guys, it was just crazy that like everybody I met, whether they were from there or they were there for work, everyone I talked to, I would be like, so do you like living here? And every single person would be like, no. I yeah. hate it here. I just, it's all I know, or I'm here for work. Or well, I'm yeah, stuck people here. moved there for work because they were making so much money. And it's just like every single person is miserable there. Yeah, and people guys- move there for work. They don't care about the place. They don't want to build community. They're working over 60 plus hours a week and then they don't want to do anything. So they don't care about the place. And the other thing that really sucks about this stupid town <laughs> was that because it was booming because of like the oil fields, every restaurant was hiring like crazy always because people leave because yes and and, and they're desperate for workers so no one cared about their job Mm -hmm. because if you got fired there are a million other jobs you could get so we would go to like i don't even remember what the place was but i was infuriated by how bad our server was and everybody (laughs) that we were with was just like I mean, that's just how it is here. Yeah. You just have to deal with it. And I was like, no! Yeah. It was, it was a weird worst. place. It felt like a Twilight Zone episode the whole time we were there. So um, you you applied for a youth pastor position in Oregon, right? Yeah, like right away. Like, I think my initial reaction was, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm laughing. I'm good. Uh-huh. To, okay, what do I got to do? I got to start applying for jobs. I got to figure out a way to, like, make a living. We got to get out of here. We can't stay here. Yeah. And then... I applied for that job in Oregon. That happened pretty quickly. That was going very well. We always love like that Pacific Northwest area. We always wanted to move there. We always talked about yeah. that. 
So that was a huge thing. And then that ended up not working out. And then it was literally at that time when I was just like, boom, your life is miserable. Oh, man. You didn't get hi- You got let go. You didn't get hired. There's nothing to do. And then it all just hit at once. What were a lot of the feelings that you had focused more on you or God of like, there's something wrong with me sure. or what is God even paying attention to me? Uh, so in the worst time, I think it's the only time I've ever really felt depressed. I remember laying down on the floor and like fetal position and just crying and then telling Alyssa, like Alyssa hugged me. I'm probably going to cry thinking about it. And I told her, if I give up on God, would you still love me? Like, this is what how, how we met. This is all I know. But right now, I don't like this. And I just want to know that if I give up on him, will you still love me? And she said, yeah. And I said, okay. And I feel like that was the only instance that, like, I wasn't even mad at him. I just didn't want to part be a part of anything that was around him. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I can't look back and ever be like, yeah, I hated God because he let this happen. Right. But yeah, it sucked. But as humans, we try to like cope with whatever. And I think in that instance, I was just so down. And the church, the church let me go. The church in Oregon didn't work out. And I was like, well, if this is God's house, what is he like? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But other than that specific moment, I was never... Was that moment in West Texas? Yes, it was in that apartment. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy. It was heavy. And I feel like that's that's beautiful that she still said yes because I think that that's showing Christ's character. Sure, exactly. Yeah, that even if I give up on him, he would still love him. Yeah, that's what uh for sure one of the biggest reasons I am even loving Jesus or in ministry is because my wife has been very gracious with me. And has shown me Jesus through my stupidity and through the worst moments of our lives together. So you guys leaving West Texas, mm-hmm. um, for a while there, it was just you were following um, what Alyssa's career, mm-hmm. where, where that was taking you guys yeah. with going to Oklahoma City or going to other towns in West Texas to uh, be at Planet Fitnesses that she was going to work on. Um and you, you guys are doing a lot of traveling. And during that time, you did like uh, your uh, adventure blog. Because mm-hmm. um, w- was that like, what made you want to start that? I think another one of my coping mechanisms is like creativity. I feel like I go crazy just in life if I'm not using something. You're not like making something. Exactly. So like that's always been the case in my life. Like skateboarding was that in high school. And then, like, I was in hardcore bands. That is incredible. It helps you get your anger out, your anxiety. And so, like, I've always figured out, without even knowing, now that I'm older, I know it, but, like, I had to have something to help me with. All of us have, like, crap and junk, and if we don't have an outlet for it, it does. it's not good. Yeah. And so I've always gone to those things. And so, yeah, that was a way for me to focus on creativity on trying to do things i've always loved photography because of skateboarding and so i was like well this is a great time to pick it up we're not really doing anything and let me just dive in full into this because nothing else in my life seems to be working (laughs) so i like i feel like i during that time especially you're you're doing this blog you're Mm -hmm. you're you're, uh doing a lot of traveling 
your posts are incredible. Everything looks really beautiful. You're doing all this cool stuff. You're making connections with other like adventure bloggers mm -hmm. uh, who are also doing kind of what you guys are doing. And with, you know, with everything that you're posting, I can see that you never really, you never explicitly say we're sure. Christians. Yeah. And I think during this time, I was too scared to ask you about sure, yeah. your relationship with God because I just didn't know. Yeah. And I didn't know if it would be like messy or uncomfortable. And I didn't want it to feel like I'm like checking in because I, I didn't want you to think that if you would ask me, would you still care about me if I gave up on God that I would say no? Cause I feel like that's when a lot of people check in on someone that they're sure. worried about. It's very much like, Hey, want to make sure you're still good. Right. Because if you're not, I'm out of here. Yeah. And like, I was, I don't know. I feel like I was really nervous about like asking right. you about your faith. Uh, I during that time. I definitely didn't. My faith there was not as strong as it is now. Yeah. Uh, I like wasn't doing any sort of spiritual disciplines. I could tell you that. Like I didn't I don't think I was reading my Bible or praying. Uh and with the amount that you were traveling, it's not like you were involved in a church. Yeah, we were literally in and out of places, except for Oklahoma City, but we can talk on that in a second. But yeah, I wasn't doing those things, and so my faith was definitely not a priority. It wasn't something that I was like doing, but I never gave up on God. Yeah. It wasn't like, like I said, like, I feel like I have enough friends that don't believe in God that I could give up on him. And there's enough smart people to convince me that there is not a God, but I can't give up on that. Yeah. And so I'm just like, well, I'm not. So I don't think that was ever an issue for me. Uh, but yeah, I definitely wasn't living it out well. Yeah, I'll say that. And then we went to Oklahoma City. We were there for a little bit longer, and we did plug into a church there. We loved the church. It was incredible. It was wonderful. Uh, and I went and talked to a pastor about a lot of these things, and they really helped me, and that helped a lot. And you started meeting with the pastor, like the pastor from that church? Yeah, or a pastor. I don't think he was the pastor. But yeah. yeah. And yeah. just kind of like telling your story? Yeah, I just called you and was like, hey, I'd like to meet. Uh, with somebody what made you do that because i feel like that's something that not everyone would do sure i think you just need people to help process things and it's always good to have an outside voice and i think it's always good to have a spiritual voice and we just really liked the church we liked the way that everything was set up it was very cool they preached really well we agreed i one of my favorite things about it is they always ended in communion and i'd never participated in that in my life coming yeah. from a charismatic background and that was very special to me like i really needed it i felt the the like how scripture talks about the beauty of breaking bread with people yeah and i i felt it every sunday and i loved that and so i just was like well we're here like we were going there we were like tithing there I was just like, what pastors are paid to talk to people. Uh -huh. So I might as well like make him do his job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? And so, yeah, I just reached out like, uh, my dad's a pastor. I've grown up in church my whole life. Like they're there to listen. And yeah. so I was just like, well, I'm, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. And yeah, I just needed some guidance. I needed some help. Why not reach out? And, uh, um, what is the timeline between that and when you guys move? To where? South America. South America. Oh, I don't even know. 
It might have been a year later. And what what was that pro- like? What what was that decision of go- going to South America? It was easy. We were at a taco casa, <laughs> and Abilene or Amarillo, Abilene, and our friend Seth had previously told us, "Hey, we need teachers in South America. Please come." And we and so Alyssa gets laid off of her job. I mean, it sucked, but we were just like, "Oh, let's go to South America. What's two years?" Yeah, that's always been my thing. Is like, "What's two years? You're not gonna miss out on anything for two years." Yeah. So it was fairly simple. <laughs> and and you go and like that. I mean, at first it's like this is a fun thing to do. This yeah. is an adventure to do, but you start to do ministry again. Yes. And I mean, I guess you knew that going into it, that that would be a part of it, that yeah. there's, there's going to be these yeah, Christian we, we classes. We talked about it. Um, but like, is it there that it kind of like, I mean, you, cause you go from Venezuela mm-hmm. to being back on staff at a church. Yeah. So like in my mind, that's the, like the place that God like got you ready for sure. that. Uh, I Do you have, see it as that? No. Okay. So, I don't like to separate like being on staff at a church as being ministry versus my life. Okay. Yeah. And so like though during those two years, life was very rocky and weird. I like still wanted people to know about Jesus. Yeah. So like, even though I'm not being the best, I still know that he's the best. Yeah. And so like through our Instagram post, I wanted people to know that there's a higher being that really cares about us and loves us. And I struggle through things, but he helps me through those things. Yeah. And so like, though I was not fully practicing it, I, I know that he is the answer. Yeah. And so I never detach myself from like sharing about Jesus. I feel like I try really hard not to just be like a weird Christian guy, but right, yeah. like Jesus, it means a lot to me and is basically what my life revolves around. So I don't consider like being on church out of staff, just ministry. Right. I want like, I want to be around people all the time and then through conversations, share them Jesus. And so I was still doing that. Yeah. So like we would meet a bunch of people and go camping and do a bunch of stuff and just have conversations, like conversations come up when you're at a campfire. Yeah. And so like, I was never afraid to talk about Jesus uh, and so then when we went, I knew that it would be more quote unquote, like a ministry right. geared thing. And so I was just like, oh, you know what? This would be a cool thing because I'm not on staff at a church because we were kind of hurt by the church with the church. And so we didn't want to go back to a church. And so I was like, this is a great middle ground. So that did come up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, yeah. And I, I yeah, I, I don't mean like you are not in ministry, but like more of just that like sure. structured, right. like teacher role right. like uh, yeah more of more of that because yeah I, I totally agree um with with what you're saying because yeah I, if, if you view it that way yeah. of pastors the only ones doing ministry then then it seems like they're the only ones who have to disciple people right but like no that's all yeah. of us it's every single person should be discipling yes and then when you're in Venezuela, mm-hmm. um, obviously we've already talked. There's an episode earlier about um, you yes. guys, you and Alyssa, dealing with the tragedy of uh, losing one of your students to suicide mm-hmm. uh, shortly after you got there, um, or a couple of months in. And 
and how that you talked about in that episode, that interview that we did, how like that was kind of like almost like the catalyst for a lot of the kids wanting to sure, you know, that yeah. that brought them closer to you so that you can have more of a voice mm -hmm. in their life. It's almost like the first time that you got to experience how great it can be to be in that pastoral position, like mm -hmm. after college, because like you sure. were only in West Texas for like three months. Mm -hmm. You didn't get to like experience the the right. rewards of like how beautiful it is to have these, you know, mm -hmm. deep and see people start to change and stuff. Yeah, I right like I think God's always at work. Yeah, and sometimes we stick around long enough to figure it out and see it, and sometimes we don't. Hopefully, especially if you are quote unquote ministry out of church, like you can see those things because those are the things that will ground you and root you because this sucks a lot. Like working with people, being in ministry sucks. And the only thing good, right? Charles Spurgeon says the thing that's wrong with the church is that you and I are in it. Yeah. And so, like seeing God work in me and through me for other people is so cool. And then seeing God work in and through other people for me is really cool. Yeah. And so like being able to see it and notice it and be aware of it is a very beautiful thing. And that was Venezuela, which I don't know if we mentioned in the previous episode, but like one of the things that God really used in us and through us in Venezuela was like, I don't know if it's just being away from America, but in Venezuela, and this was a constant conversation that I had with one of the other teachers. It's like, being there, you were so aware of your sin. Oh. Like, you're so aware of, like, the reality of how selfish you are and how crappy you are, and it makes you get closer to Jesus. What, do you think so apparent for you as an American no yes. longer in the yes. United States? Yes. Because of your selfishness is kind of like... It's spoon-fed to you It's here. accepted, and, yes. like, it's part of it. Like, duh, like, it's... It's essential to what it is to be American yes. and for you to be taken out of that culture and put it in a different culture. And you still have those tendencies and that urges to be selfish. And not only that, but you see the, the literal lack in everyone else's life. Yeah. So like, literally people not being able to afford food, people not being able to get meals, not being able to go to the doctor that you are around, that you are with, that you are living in community with. And you don't just drive past them. You can't just walk away from right. it. You can't just come back to your house. And, and it's not even just like, because I think when we in America often see poverty, it's like someone living on the street. Yeah. Whereas there, it could be like, it could be people who like have jobs. Yeah, they have homes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they have like what we would consider like middle class families. But like the way that that looks in like, here in America, but there, yes. they're the ones who are yeah. impoverished. Yeah. So that was really bizarre. And I think God used that to help me prepare and fix my heart a lot. Before coming back to um, the yeah. United States. Of America. Yeah. So I think, I think going away, especially to a country that wasn't here, made me realize how hurt I probably was, but also that it doesn't matter because I'm incredibly selfish. So yes, I got hurt. Yes. Cope and fix those feelings. But then on top of all that, I was just selfish and American. Yeah. And then being there freed me of those things to be able to really care for people. And while we were there, I've for the two years before we went, I wasn't really practicing my faith. 
doing my spiritual disciplines. And then while we were there, I've never practiced and done my spiritual disciplines as much as I did while I was there. Oh, really? And so like, it was just like everything leading up to that, you know, it was like, I think of a half pipe, like I was skating down one side to go up the other side to do a Tony Hawk 900. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. And then doing all of those things, I think prepared me to be able to come back to be in ministry. Well, even while I was there, we were trying to plant a church. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so you come back mm-hmm. and not only that, you come back to your home church yeah. where you grew up, mm-hmm. um, which is wild. It's kind of wild. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. And you're really good at being a youth pastor. Oh, I hope so. You're really good at oh, it. Thank you, man. I try really hard. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Is it easier for you now? Like what you said earlier of like, especially when you're on staff at a church, it's important to be able to like pay attention and see the moments of like God using other people in your life and sure. God using you in other people's life. Like... I think it can be easy for us to pass over those moments because like yeah. in ministry, if you become so focused on like, what's the next thing? Like what? Yeah. Oh no, Christas is coming up. Okay. We just did Christmas. Okay. We got to start getting ready for the spring and oh, we got this thing coming up and, yeah. then, and then it's camp and you're always like looking at the next sure. thing and you can, it can be harder to like stop and pay attention to like w- these like beautiful moments that happen or like the changes that have happened in the people's lives yeah. around you. I think going back, like, being able to not be in America mm-hmm. helped. And then we were like every other country, I feel like cares more about moments than they do about big events. Yeah. So like it's huge in Latin culture to sit down for meals. Yes. To talk for hours while you're eating Yeah, and like enjoy those moments. And that was very much the case in Venezuela, like to sit with people and you couldn't really have big events. It wasn't like, that's not a thing yeah. in other countries. So like, Oh, we're going to throw these big camps and these big conventions. And we were not like, we were at a, a school that didn't have Christian people that didn't understand those concepts to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like, Hey, let's invite people over to dinner. Let's yeah. do this thing. And so I think that changed my mind. And I think just to begin with, I'm very lazy <laughs> uh, going back to the naps. And like, I don't plan well. Alyssa's really good at that, which is great. And so like, I'm not thinking about the next thing. Just my personality, my brain. Uh, I'm probably not thinking about much else but pizza. But Okay. Uh, so living in Venezuela helped me to be more in the moment. And so now, and I feel like it, it, it can be bad if I'm not careful because I care more about the moment that I get to play basketball with a student and the conversation we're going to have while we're drinking water versus like, oh man, we're going to have a great service. Yeah. And if I'm not careful, I'll make service suck. Uh-huh. And that has been my downfall because I care so much more about that other moment. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And so Alyssa helps me keep balance. But yeah, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm at a place where like, okay, I care about service. I want to make it well. And yeah, you should do that. But for me, my bigger moments are, oh man, I'm going to play basketball with these students and then I'm going to drive them home. And as I'm driving them home, I want to speak into their lives and I want to use that moment versus just me being on stage preaching. Yeah. And so that's a big thing for me, I guess. That's beautiful. Hey, thanks. Isn't it crazy too? Like, as you're saying this, like we can map out things that you were able to learn and um, how experiences 
shaped you mm-hmm. into the minister that you are right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if it wasn't for you getting fired, you uh-huh. would have never gone to Venezuela. Sure, yeah. But at the same time, I don't think it would have done you or anyone any good if right after you got fired, if I was like, hey, God's got a plan. God's God's working. God's got yeah. a plan right now. Like, no one wants to hear that Nobody in that moment. Nobody wants to hear that. But I think, I think sometimes like we remember that for the person, right? Like, to like like freaking Alyssa, Aly- Alyssa saying, "I would still love you even if you would give up on God." Mm-hmm. Like, she is able to say that because she knows that God can work out anything, right? Yeah, and like I can stand confidently in who God is, mm-hmm. that He is always working. Yeah, w- one of the things that has helped me so much throughout the years is the verse that says, for those that love God, all things will work out for good. Yeah. And that frees me to just want to love God. Yeah. Because even if I mess up, even if I make a wrong choice, he's going to help me work those things out, right? Like even the story of Jonah, like he ran away from God, he went and he ended up in the well, and yet God used that. And so hopefully you're not running away from God. He doesn't have to put you in a well. But even if you are, he's so loving and is so kind that he's going to bring us back. Yeah. And so like whatever that looks like. And so for me, like that has always been like a big thing. Like I always tell people that are trying to make a decision, like just love God and he will work it out. And you will find out in, in loving him, whether you're making a decision selfishly or not, or it is a stupid decision or not. But if you love God and if you seek him, right, even the Bible says, see God, and all these things will be added onto you. Like that has been a freeing thing for me that if I just love him, everything else will work out. Everything else is going to be okay. So it doesn't matter if I get let go by a church. It doesn't matter if I end up in Venezuela. It's all going to work out. That's beautiful. What a beautiful ending. <laughs> That's such a great ending. And now the music will fade up and we're done. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this, David. You're welcome, sir. I love you. I love you. I'm proud of you. To close out this episode, we have a story from my friend, Micah Carney. When I sat down to interview her for a future episode, once we finished that up and it went really well, I realized that Micah is my friend who probably has the most incredible stories. She is a library of amazing, ridiculous, hilarious stories from her life. And I wanted to get one and it was like so hard to pick because I know a lot of them But this is one that I remember hearing a long time ago in college that I love so much. It is so silly to me. This is a story about why Micah believed in Santa Claus for a very long time. I am here with my friend Micah Carney, who has some of the greatest stories (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. Uh, Micah, you have a story about how you believed in Santa Claus for, did you like believe for a very long time? I sincerely, I mean, as a kid growing up, 
I believed in Santa Claus. Then when I was eight years old, I had a reason to believe in Santa Claus. And as I got older, I'm like, oh my gosh, no one believes him. But I pretty much had proof until I was about 15 or 16. So it's <laughs> when I talked to my mom about so, okay. my experience. So <laughs> you believed in Santa Claus until you were 15 Very or 16. Very hush hush. No, no one yes. needs to know. Yeah. But you, because you had proof. So, yes. so when you were eight years old, what was the experience that okay. you had? Okay, so I was eight years old, very much excited about Santa Claus. Yeah, I look for evidence of Santa Claus, kind of thing. You, you believe in, you believed in a I lot of things. I believe in a lot of things. Uh, yes, Bigfoot. Bigfoot. I have gone with you to Bigfoot hunt. Yes, yep. in Paris, Texas. I remember that. It's the highest sightings in Texas. Is in Paris, Texas, and we did yep. not see anything. We went in the swamps and we didn't see nothing, but. The other person that was with us was extremely disrespectful, and that's why I think they were not taking it seriously. There was a guy and a girl with us. Guy. I'm oh, talking about okay, okay, okay. I think he thought it was silly and fun, right. and he just wanted to hang out with the girl. And so <laughs> I was like, you are not taking this seriously. But anyways, okay. So I'm eight years old. I wake up at probably... What do you think is the strangest thing you... Like, What what is... That you even recognize might be... You don't even have to like 100% believe in it, but like there's a part of you that thinks it might be true. What do you think is the most, re the, the, the strangest one? That even you were like, I know this is strange, but there's still a little part of me that thinks this might be real. That's a tough question to ask, I know. Gosh, because really, I mean, Nothing the is first strange. thing that came to my thought was elves. Like <laughs> the first thing I thought about was wood elves, like little elves or fairies in the woods. That's the first thing I thought about because I just like Keebler sized mm. or like Legolas. No, little, little, little. Elves. Okay. But I saw in new England, this lady used to build little fairy elf houses in her trees. Uh -huh. So I, was like, whoa, they they really could live here. Anyway. Okay, all right, okay, okay. Yeah. So eight years old. Yes, eight looking years old. Looking for evidence for Looking Santa for Claus. evidence, yes. And I, me and my brother would traditionally wake up super early, and I went downstairs, and I opened the front door. There were footprints all around the windows. There, oh, and you, uh, where is this that you guys are living? This is Meadville, Pennsylvania. So in Pennsylvania, so there's snow on the ground. There's tons of snow on the ground, and there is footprints on fresh our porch. Tracks. Fresh tracks. And what I thought, sleigh tracks in the driveway. So I'm thinking, that's weird. He didn't come on the roof because we don't have a <laughs> chimney. So of course he just pulled right up. Uh, yeah. So I'm like, these are sleigh tracks, and these are footprints all around our windows in our house. Like someone was here in the middle of the night. So that was my evidence. And also, I went to sleep with a bare tree and I woke up with lots of toys. So I'm thinking like, and even eight years old is a little old <laughs> to deal with this. But yeah. that was, I was like, hey, here we go. So I kept that in my mind for a long time. And so wait, so mm -hmm. you have this in your mind. Do your parents ever have the conversation with you where they tell no. you that Santa Claus isn't real? Not really. I feel like they... They just assumed that I'd figure it out on my own. Like oh, they never wow. told us he was real or fake. Like really, it was just kind of like, come on, <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, you know. But they did try to do magical little things. Like my dad, you know, up until a couple of years ago, was still writing letters from Santa and 
and I'm dead serious. Oh. I mean, and we all knew it was you knew him. It was him but... And he used to sign it Satan Claus. <laughs> <laughs> because he was really into uh, Christmas is a pagan holiday. And like he was super like, you know, we turned it away from Christ. And so he so kind wait, of boycotted. But he would still write letters? Yeah, he would do it Satan Claus. So that's his way of bo- boycotting, like letting you know his real yeah. feelings about his like, portraying the role of Santa but labeling it Satan Claus. Yeah, Claus's. like there's a little undercut there. Like, yeah, you Do you know. still have any of the letters from Satan oh, Claus? Man. I'll have to look, but I don't know. Yeah, he would talk about the the reindeer and like all this Christmas stuff. And I'm I'm 17 years old, you know. I borderline watched him r- write it himself. <laughs> but yeah, it was just one of those tradition things. But, but so, so then 15 or 16 is when... I was telling this story. To someone. I'm like, this is why I've secretly believed in Santa my whole life because, and this, my mom was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and she's like, where were we living? And I told her, I was like, it was in the Meatville house, the, the church, the house across the street from the church. And she was like, okay, well, <laughs> she was like, there was a girl <laughs> in our youth group that was obsessed with your dad. Your dad was the youth My pastor. dad was the youth pastor. So there was this girl, because I remember this girl, she was so nice to me, and my mom was always like, don't touch her, like, don't hug her, like, stay away from her, and I was like, that's weird, whatever. I never really thought about it. So what I learned was this girl came to our home in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve and was looking through all of our windows, and those sleigh tracks were actually her car. Oh. So she was like... Looking in all of our windows and trying to see what the Carney family was like. So yeah, that that totally so crushed it, me on many levels, kind of. So the reality is this like very dark, scary truth. Absolutely. But little eight-year-old Micah's like, the magic is real. Santa! Yeah. That I mean, that kind of is me. That's still <laughs> that's still me to kind of twist something like that. But yeah, I learned that it was like a big deal. Like they almost had to get a restraining order on her. She was like trying to have us call her mommy. What? Yeah, like none of this and I she remembered was a student? at all. Yeah, she was like 17 years old. Whoa. She like would write my dad letters and, and sign wanted it Satan to Claus. <laughs> yeah, the real <laughs> Satan Claus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was the truth behind it. And I didn't find that out until I was a teenager. So the, I secretly believed in Santa for most of my life. So you believed in Santa, but the evidence was actually just your dad's stalker. Yeah. That's like I was sad, but incredible. kind of funny, too. But wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story, Michael. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Glendon, David Gomez, Micah Carney for being on the episode. I want to thank Jordan Combs and Lucky Star for the use of their songs in the episode. I want to thank you for listening. You stuck around. You're still here. I was so nervous after like taking a break when Corona first started and then like having to take another break and switching to every other week. Like I, I, Just all those changes, I know that it would be very easy to fall off and not stay consistent listening. And like the fact that you're still here, that means a lot. So thank you. I love doing this. I'm, I, I really love the stuff that I've been putting out. And if you enjoy it too, 
Um, if you have a friend or family member or somebody in your life who you think would also enjoy it, why not share it with them? Uh, you can rate and review it on iTunes. You can listen on iTunes or you can use Spotify, Stitcher. There are a million other ways. But thank you for your support. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, that's about it, right? I think that's the it. I think that's the end. I got nothing else to say. Uh, I love you. <laughs> And I believe in you, and I'm proud of you. And I'll see you in two weeks. Goodbye. <laughs>